Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Are you as smart as my guide dogs? If you are ready to give a quick and certain, yes, of course, you may do well to be a tad less certain. My current guide dog is a 13-year-old black lab named Denny. This means that he has been a guide dog for over a decade. You also need to know that Denny is a pilot dog. In people terms, that is like being a graduate of the Ohio State University. As all who are in the know well understand, being a Buckeye is far better than myriad second choices. For example, being a Wolverine, whatever that is. Okay, you are up to speed with Denny's basic crews. Suffice it to say that he is among the guide dog elite. Denny further deserves his elite status as a result of mastering the two basic guide dog strategies, good dog and guide dog. Let's first focus on Denny's good dog strategy. He does the things all good dogs do. He comes when called, he sits, lays down, and stays when told to do so. He does not climb on the furniture, never barks in the house, and does not beg when people are eaten. He stays out of the trash does not jump up on people, and does not bark at other dogs or chase cars. I suspect you get the idea. He is a good dog. That is in part why he gets to visit fancy restaurants and shopping malls, take rides in trains and airplanes, go to baseball games and concerts, and hang out most anywhere people frequent. In short, Denny has mastered the key principle followed by all good dogs, namely, there is never a good excuse for bad manners. That brings us to Denny's second success strategy. He is a most competent guide dog. This means that he does the things guide dogs do. The list is fairly long, but a few examples serve to let you know how the guide dog strategy works. He walks calmly and deliberately. This means that he does not arbitrarily speed up or slow down, dart here and there, or become distracted by whatever happens to be around. He stays focused on his work. He stops at steps or curbs. He walks around obstacles such as bicycles and other objects on the sidewalk, stays on the track without drifting off the path, relieves himself only when instructed to do so, avoids puddles and other things one would rather not step in, and does all this while allowing room for me to get past the obstacle along with him. Denny knows to find the door so we can go in and then remembers the way back out, learns where I like to go and recalls how to get there when I want to go there again, and is a master at keeping me safe. He has an extensive set of skills that started with superior training and continue to improve with regular practice and ongoing experience. He definitely qualifies as a lifelong learner. What's more, he has adopted a key principle followed by all great guide dogs. Give everything you do your best effort, every day, no exceptions, no excuses. Sticking to his good dog and guide dog strategies would be enough to put Denny firmly in the competent service dog class but, for him, being merely competent is not nearly good enough. This obsession with excellence of course comes from being a pilot dog, but also has more profound origins. Denny is among the 16 smartest guide dogs in the world, a member of the sweet 16 if you will. Actually, he is a professor and has done extensive research into the keys to excellence. I am pleased to let you know that he has given me permission to share his excellence strategy here with you. Denny's success strategy is six elements, starting with being friendly. The key is that he does not overdo being friendly. He does not sniff or lick, jump or rub, bark or rush at anyone. Rather, he calmly waits for your attention, 
hoping he might choose to scratch his ear or rub his head. When he is not working, he lets you know that he is up to a little socializing but lets you take the lead. It goes without saying that he never growls or becomes aggressive or menacing, he is friendly. The second element of Dunny's success strategy is being responsible. Here, being responsible is the opposite of being irresponsible. Denny takes responsibility for doing the right things right, the first time, on time, every time. This likely needs little discussion. He stops at the step, he moves us around the obstacle, he does not let me bump into things or people, he sits when directed to sit, stays when instructed to stay, is serious about his work and is continuously vigilant. In short, he is responsible. Showing initiative is the next element in Denny's success strategy. An example can serve to let you know how this works. I was having lunch in a fairly large, very busy restaurant. Denny waited quietly beside my chair until it was time to leave. I stood up and he was quickly by my side. Instead of heading toward where I knew the exit to be, he started in a quite different direction. We managed the track without bumping anyone or anything. After a while, Denny stopped for me to push open the door, and we were immediately back on the street where we had entered the restaurant. I asked the person with whom I had lunch why Denny took such a roundabout way out. She told me that they moved several tables while we were eating to accommodate a large group of people who wanted one very large table. The route we had used coming in was blocked. Denny saw the problem and took the initiative to find a new way out. He knew what was needed and just did it. The same element applies when he leaves the sidewalk and walks in the grass to avoid those abandoned skates, moves back to the sidewalk when the coast is clear, refuses to move forward when my next step would be into a large hole in the parking lot, and so many other times when a quick change of plans is the best way to be safe or to get where I want to go. Initiative is a very good thing. Element 4 is being energetic. This is pretty simple. Denny is never too tired to work half-hearted about whatever he is doing, or unwilling to give his work his best effort. When Denny is working, he is full of present, all the time, every time. I can count on him to never lay down on the job, to always be alert and paying attention, and to hang in however long I need him to work. He is consistently energetic. Element 5 is just being nice. It's simple. Denny has good manners. You do remember, don't you? There's never a good excuse for bad manners and Denny takes his good manners with him everywhere we go. Yes, it is part of his good dog strategy, and Denny is a very good dog. The final element of Denny's success strategy is being dependent. I can depend on him to be friendly. I can depend on him to be responsible. I can depend on him to show initiative. I can depend on his being energetic. His being nice is simply a given. I can depend on him to be a good dog. I can depend on him to be a great guy dog. I'll bet you have already figured out the secret of Denny's success strategy. He is friendly, responsible, initiating, energetic, nice, and always dependable, friend. How cool is that? It is most definitely way cool. Denny uses his friend strategy every time, every day, no exceptions, no excuses. That is what puts him solidly among the guy dog elite. Just as his success strategy works for Denny, I have discovered that it works equally well for me. I use Denny's success strategy every chance I get. May I suggest that it may work equally well for you. You won't know for sure until you give it a try. Yes, Denny is definitely a professor and oh so smart. 
But then he is not the only really smart guy dog I've met. Let me tell you about Dr. Pepper. What comes to mind when you hear Dr. Pepper? Well, of course. You recall the world's 7th most famous guy dog of all time. I know, that fact naturally raises an obvious question. Why is Dr. Pepper such a famous guy dog? Okay, perhaps that is not the first question that came to mind. But it is a really good question, don't you think? Why is Dr. Pepper so famous? Along with being a very smart guy dog, he was a great philosopher with profound insight into life and its trials and tribulations. Actually, he is no longer with us, but in his day, he was unique. Let me share one of life's little lessons that he taught me. Dr. Pepper was my first guide dog, and always ready to teach me a thing or two about managing the give and take of life. On one particular evening, we were out for a leisurely walk around the neighborhood. I want to put this tactfully, but the good doctor let me know that he wished to relieve himself. As you may know dogs and small children sometimes give us this message, especially when it is neither a good time nor a good place for relieving. At any rate, I moved off the sidewalk with Dr. Pepper onto the grass. I let his lead out so he could walk and dig a little, as dogs are wont to do. Being a new guy dog user, I did not pay much attention to where he was walking or to what he was doing. Eventually, he came back to my side, letting me know that he was ready to continue our walk. As I leaned over to put his harness back on him, I inadvertently turned and stepped back just slightly. Well, that was not my best move of the day. Still wanting to be tactful, let it suffice to say that I definitely stepped in it, and you certainly know what it was. Does smelly mist bring anything to mind? At any rate, with the help of the grass, I managed to get my shoe cleaned some we proceeded on our walk. Were Dr. Pepper not a famous philosopher, that would have been the end of that. However, knowing that he was likely trying to teach me one of life's little lessons, I pondered the meaning of what had happened. I would like to tell you that I got the point all at once. No, it took nearly three days before it hit me. Dr. Pepper was making a point well worth knowing, and I share it with you in the hope that you take it to heart in all your dealings. It is a dog-eat-dog, excuse me Dr. Pepper. World out there and there are folks who think nothing of relieving themselves wherever and whenever, smelling up your world. If you don't know what I am talking about, you have lived a charmed life or are totally oblivious. Either way, you can take my word for it. Life can get quite messy at times. If that were all there was to it, we would be simply destined to find ourselves stepping into now and then. Fortunately, Dr. Pepper provided a principle well worth remembering. On life's journey, there are people who will indiscriminately relieve themselves around us and especially along our path to success. It is thus the wise man or wise woman who remembers Dr. Pepper's principle, namely, only a fool carelessly lets people relieve themselves behind his or her back, and only a damn fool then turns around and steps in it. You may be assuming that Dr. Pepper and Denny were guide dogs one and two for me, but there were four great guide dogs between Denny and Dr. Pepper. Let me tell you a couple of things about how they definitely qualified as great. You may expect me to start with a fascinating story about how they guided me through cluttered areas away from danger. Each of them did both, many times. However, I think you would rather know about Blackie's strategy to help me be a better public speaker. Although guiding is a guide dog's main gig, Blackie had bigger ideas about helping. I frequently had occasion to talk in front of this group and that and frequently talked to the same group twice. From my perspective, 
that made speech making fairly simple. I would give the same talk over and over, with some minor adjustments for each occasion. I got a little bored with the talk, but assumed the audience would not be bored, since they had not heard a talk before. I had given no consideration to Black in his opinions. For the first three or four times I gave the talk, he rested quietly, doing his good dog thing. It was about the fifth time I gave the talk when Blackie started getting restless. At least I thought it was just restlessness. He started stretching and having these somewhat noisy and very long yawns. Sorry, I did not catch on, even though I was myself feeling a tad like stretching and yawning. As I recall, it wasn't until the seventh time I gave the talk that Blackie made his message totally clear. He stretched, yawned, and then got up and started walking not stopping until he was standing by the doors leading out of the meeting room. Being the really sharp fellow I am, I just went on talking, oblivious to the fact that Blackie was leaving. People in the audience started with a snicker here and a chuckle there and finally, everyone was laughing. I stopped talking, feeling totally baffled. Fortunately, my wife quietly came up and said, Blackie is waiting for someone to open the doors. Needless to say, my talk was over and it was time to consider accompanying Blackie out the door. Sure, it took a while to get past the embarrassment and on to figuring out what Blackie was telling me. You will recall that great guide dogs often have important messages for us when we least expect them. Since Blackie was guide dog number three, I was experienced with this phenomenon. He had tried to tell me by stretching and yawning, and when that was not sufficient, he spoke up loud and clear by the simple act of getting up and walking out. This is what I gleaned from Blackie's effort to communicate. First, when it is time to talk, stand up, speak up, shut up, and sit down. Speakers are often criticized for talking too long, but rarely for not talking long enough. If you're the speaker, you can usually count on having 10 free minutes during which to get and sustain people's attention. After that, you may be pushing your luck. Blackie had given me nearly 15 minutes before starting a stretching and yawning feedback. As you see, he was especially patient. Next, if the group does not deserve your best effort, complete with info and content especially for them, seriously consider staying home. Don't ever settle for being the speaker who could have as easily phoned in his or her comments. Finally, and here is Blackie's main point, if you're becoming bored with what you're saying, you can be sure those in your audience were totally bored at least five minutes before you but, so far, are simply too polite to get up and walk out. The truth is that you may need a guide dog of your own who will tell you how it really is. If you decide that having a guide dog of your own would be helpful, it will inform your choice if you know about fellow, the most famous guide dog of all time. Let me share an anecdote or so with you. You may find it hard to believe that fellow was so famous, but it is nonetheless true. Time and time again I was out and about with fellow, an airport in Philadelphia, a hotel in San Francisco, a restaurant in Chicago, a zoo in Ohio, and on and on. Complete strangers would come up to us. You may think the polite thing to do would be to speak to me, but no. They would immediately say, hey fellow. Some would even squat down to look them in the eyes they spoke. The point is that everyone knew Fellow by name, although they didn't have a clue who I was. As I said, Fellow was truly the world's most famous guide dog. He was also the world's greatest guide. One quick example serves to confirm the point. 
We were at a fairly large school and Mish looking to give a talk to a group of Head Start workers. We went from the car into the building and followed our host through the building to the room where I was to talk. The route was very convoluted, to say the least. There were seven or eight turns and two flights of steps. Just lost. Ring a bell. Well, when it was time to leave, we were on our own. How to get back to the car? The answer turned out to be pretty easy. I just went with fellow and eight turns and two flights of steps later. We were back to the door leading to the parking lot where the car was parked. Now all that by itself was pretty amazing, but check back five years. Yes, five years. Later, I was back to the same parking lot to give a talk in the same building in the same room. This time, our host was not there to guide us. We got out of the car and fellows started into the building. And for a penny, and for a pound. You bet. I just went with fellow. Eight turns and two flights of steps later, we walked into the meeting room. I won't bore you with the many other examples of fellow's guide dog expertise. Suffice it to say that fellow well deserves his designation as the world's greatest guide. As was true for Dr. Pepper and Professor Denny, fellow went far beyond simply being a great guide dog. He had principles to teach me, were I only patient enough to understand. The first principle was embedded in his being the world's most famous guide dog. You have probably already caught the message, although I was a while getting the point. Here it is. As we are out and about in the world, it is important to network and to get to know a lot of people. Even so, the real issue isn't who you know. What really matters is who knows you. And it seems that everyone knew fellow. The second principle is this. As we follow our path to success, we should always make a point to remember where we have been if we have any expectation of getting to where we want to go. You may have the impression by now that each of my guide dogs was exceptional and he would be totally correct. His pilot dogs, no less would be expected. Ben was, of course, not an exception. Sure, I could tell you about Ben's many claims to the world-class status, but I think you may find a brief anecdote more interesting. The story opens in Washington, D.C., where I was talking to a group of human services folks at a hotel not far from the capital. The talk went fine and I was headed out to find somewhere for a late lunch. The way out took me past an open area where a large group was waiting for their lunch speaker to finish his speech. I did not think walking through the edge of the group was my best choice, so I decided to wait until the speaker finished. I had no idea who the speaker was but did note that he certainly had the group's attention. The speaker finished and I got a clue. I heard this rather loud, very assertive voice from across the way saying, clear the way for Mayor Giuliani. My wife quietly said that the mayor and his bodyguards were leaving. A few seconds later, she told me that he wasn't leaving. He was coming our way. As we started to step aside, a large hand firmly grasped my arm and the bodyguard said, please wait for the mayor. I am too embarrassed to tell you the self-congratulating thoughts I was having, but I certainly expected that the mayor was at least going to offer to shake hands. But no. Without a word to anyone, Rudy Giuliani squatted down in front of Ben and gave him a big hug saying, it's my baby. He went on to tell his bodyguard that he had a retired guy at home that died and that he really missed him. And just like that, the mayor was up and away. That would have been the end of it were it not that a couple of months later my wife and I were finishing dinner at a fancy restaurant. I know it was fancy since I was finished with dinner and still had two unused spoons and, count them, three unused forks. We were relaxing over coffee and enjoying the ambience. 
across the restaurant a particularly brassy woman said, Ralph, I have to go over there before we leave. Pulling Ralph behind, she made a beeline to our table. My wife quietly warned me, she is coming over here. It did not take me long to understand that she was certainly a New Yorker. How could I tell, you asked. Without a word to anyone, she squatted down in front of Ben, gave him a big hug, and said, it's my baby. She also turned to Ralph and said, look Ralph, he is just like our baby back home. Without so much as a hello or how do you do to us, she was up and gone. Yep, a true New Yorker for sure. What is to be concluded from our encounter with the mayor and the brassy woman? I will leave the concluding to you. But let me know that Ben was not much impressed by either. I've left out one of my guide dogs, and I am not sure if including him here is my best choice, but I'll let you be the judge. It seems odd, but I don't remember much about Quincy. I got Quincy when he was young, but I don't recall getting him. He was with me until he was old, but not much about our years together comes to mind. I wonder how that can be. Quincy was just there, every day, everywhere I went. I suppose he made an occasional mistake and didn't always behave admirably but no examples find their way into my memory. I assume he did this guy dog work consistently and competently but no situation or incident stands out. He was just there doing his best and he was best. Here is the unfortunate truth. The only clear memory I have of Quincy is the morning he died. I woke about six to the sound of Quincy in acute distress. I will pass by the details which are too sad to discuss now but one fact needs locked in memory. I realized that without Quincy the guide me going to work was, if not out of the question, at least a prospect I didn't want to contemplate. He was so much a part of who I was and what I did that simply going about my business without him was too daunting to assimilate into my sense of me and my world. A little later that morning, I talked with pilot dogs and to keep a short story even shorter, I was training with a replacement dog by that evening. I soon was back at work with my new guide dog making sure I got here and there safely, with minimal hassle. All was well and the world moved on. I am glad I am taking time to stop to remember. Quincy was an important part of my life for all those many years and I have trouble remembering. It makes me wonder what else and who else were there doing their best to do their best, but have slipped away without notice or acknowledgement until they were gone. I am sure that Quincy's steady but generally unremarkable way of doing his job is itself the definition of guide dog perfection, but I wish I could remember more, bring back examples, to share so you too could understand what it means to be a perfect guide dog. It is tempting to expand on the message admonishing us to be more appreciative of the guide dog we have today, the people who improve our lives right now, what we have to cherish and value. I will leave such contemplation to the philosophers. For now, I just want to remember Quincy, although I am sad that my memory of him is so inadequate, given that he was very nearly perfect. Now you know so there you go. Thank you for taking time to join us today. We hope you always matter to people who matter to you. Be well, do well, and please visit us again on How to Matter. 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 How to Matter.